4: We've already been busy with the calls this morning, so please bear with uh, John Paul. You can text or WhatsApp as well to 0862 103, 103. And the real worrying news is the R number, which shows how fast coronavirus is spreading somewhere between 2.4 and uh, 3. And I was looking into this yesterday evening when that figure got announced. We we have had the figures In and around three, the last time would have been in March, just as we headed into our first national lockdown. And we brought that R number down really, really quickly. It went down to one very quickly when the full lockdown started back in March. But the only worry that you would have to have this time around is we didn't have the UK strain back in March and the UK strain we know is 70% more contagious. But anyway, that's where we're at at the moment. Philip Nol- Nolan, who chairs the modelling advisory group, uh, he, he said that we had no time since the start of the pandemic once we got it down. After the first lockdown, we've never exceeded 1.4 or one point four, one point six 1.6 was the highest we went and now we're between two, somewhere between 2.4 and uh, 3. Philip Nolan reckons it is in part explained by the very high levels of socialisation and social contact contact that went on in the last week in uh, December. Now the calls on alcohol sales how often have we on this programme heard people say why are we still allowing the off licence to open for the period of time that they're open, for? They're, you know, they're open all day there's never been any curb on the sale of alcohol well that got mentioned uh, yesterday and curbs on the sale of alcohol by forcing off licences to at least cut their opening hours That may be the next step in the fight against COVID-19. Dr Tony Houlihan warned that it is helping to fuel the spread of the virus. And he yesterday welcomed signals that are coming from that the government is looking at curtailing off-licence trading hours in the war against the virus. Dr Houlihan says, and he says this before, the virus loves Alcohol. And he said it was clear it was causing people to let down their guard and then increasing the risk of spreading the virus. Now, he was speaking yesterday as the rapid acceleration of the spread of the virus has left the country facing the f- fastest rate of growth since March with exceptionally high levels of the case. There sadly was another 10 people reported as having died from COVID 19 yesterday. And the figures for yesterday 6,521 cases, although there are cautious signs that cases may be beginning to stabilise and they have been stabilising in recent days. There's also cautious signs that people are reducing their contacts. However, admissions to hospitals, that's continuing to escalate. There was a record 1,043 patients been treated in wards yesterday with uh, covid with 99 people hospitalized in the previous 24 hours alone intensive care units they are under growing strain they now stand at uh, 96 Patients with COVID 19 in intensive uh, care. And doctors are increasingly terrified that they'll not be able to provide the level of care needed to every patient who is seriously ill. Dr. Colin Henry, who is the clinical leader at the HSE, he said the most optimistic prediction is that there will be 200. Covid nineteen patients in intensive care by next week. That's and that's the optimistic uh, prediction. An infectious disease consultant at St James's Hospital said doctors, literally, he used the word, are terrified of finding themselves where they'll have to choose between which patients because of lack of beds. And that's what happened in Italy at the height of the pandemic there. And nobody wants that to happen here. There are 286 intensive care beds, capacity to increase that to 350. But hospitals are facing huge difficulties because of staff out either sick with COVID-19 are they've been contact traced as being a close contact. There were 2,500 off work, including specialist nurses and doctors needed to provide the level of care that is needed. Professor Nolan last night said the most infectious strain of the virus is now accounting for about a quarter of all the infections, and it's making it more difficult to get this third wave under control. Its threat means everybody needs to work harder to slow the spread and double down on our efforts. It'll be next week. Before there's any firm sign that the spread of the virus may be stabilising and optimism, they say, is still very thin. He's saying a pessimistic forecast would be that there would be two and a half thousand to five thousand cases a day by the end of January. If he wants to be more optimistic, he's saying by the end of January, we could be somewhere in reporting figures at just over a thousand up to two thousand nine hundred a day and it is worth mentioning that when we went into lockdown in this country in October. Our daily cases were around 1,200 and that really shows the hill that has to be climbed in the first part of this year to get those figures down. Philip Nolan expressed concern about the rate of infection, hospitalisation and also obviously the risk of death to those over the age of uh, 65. We now have around 11 people a day dying as a direct result of uh, COVID-19. I mean, we're only at the 8th of January and we've already had 41 deaths For this month, and if you look throughout the whole month of December, there was 163, and we were saying how you know how sad and worrying it was that we had 163 deaths in December, and already at 41, and we're only, and that would only been up to the the first seven days of January. Obviously, today's figures are not included uh, in that. Paul Reid, the HSC chief, said the rate of growth in COVID patients, massive shock to the hospital system, and he said 400 beds were available yesterday, with 31 intensive care beds, and then looking keeping it as local as we can. Cork University Hospital, they're expected to trigger an emergency tiered escalation plan. They're trying to manage the unfolding COVID-19 crisis at st- staffing le- levels in free fall. That's how it's been described across the health service. At Cork University Hospital, 180 nurses out of the hundred one thousand four hundred nurses that work there um, 180 were unavailable for work this week because they either had the virus or they were close contact of a confirmed case or they were self uh, isolating. Of its 130 critical care nurses, 30 that's almost a quarter were unavailable for work for the same reasons as one ward of course as we've been reporting all week in CUH was forced to close because of the staff staff shortage but 180 nurses out of 1,400 nurses that's 13% of all the nurses in CUH either have COVID or they're a close contact and not available for work. I mean, I think there's very few businesses that can say 13% 13% of one cohort of their workforce are not available due to uh, COVID. It really is frightening. And you're staying with CUH. This actually broke just before I came on air today. It's the Cork University Maternity Hospital. They have now issued a statement saying partners will no longer be able to attend the routine 2022 week pregnancy scan and that's due to the increased number of COVID cases in recent weeks. In a statement released just this morning, the South-Southwest Hospital Group said they are very mindful of the distress that these restrictions make may cause for couples, but they have decided that as and from next Monday, partners will not be able to attend the routine twenty twenty-two week anomaly scan at the maternity hospital. Cork University Maternity Hospital are indeed any of their hospitals it's across all of their groups, the University Hospital in Waterford the one in Kerry and the South Tipperary General Hospital and of course we know and we dealt with some of the women involved, there was a huge campaign to allow partners to attend that anomaly scan because that anomaly scan can be the one where unfortunately some women get very bad news about the baby that they are carrying and some have gone into that scan with their partner sitting in the car park and then having to be phoned to see Say you know that they didn't find a heartbeat or whatever, and it was causing huge, huge uh, distress to the to the mums who were getting the bad news. So there was a big campaign, and they listened. And Cork University Hospital decided that they would allow partners. There's still restrictions in place for the for the birth and for the all of the other scans. So they they just only back. I think it was probably November to December that they were allowing partners to attend the scan, but now that has been reversed uh, again, and there are still. Sticking with the other rules and regulations around pregnant women going into a hospital, the partner is only allowed in as soon as the mother is in established labour. Partners are allowed in for the birth itself, for delivery by cesarean section. They can stay for some time in the immediate post-birth period either in the labour ward or in the theatre recovery uh, but then once the partner goes up onto the ward they must leave uh, the hospital and then of course there's no visiting allowed in the maternity hospital so that's going to come as a little bit of worrying news and upsetting news to uh, pregnant women. 1850 333 103. some of your comments already into the programme. A listener says we're meant to be in the middle of a lockdown. I was in Bantry yesterday there certainly was no signs of a lockdown. The traffic was absolutely crazy and that's signed by an unhappy Bantry resident. And then John says, good morning, Patricia. Sorry for this tangent of a rant. I'm a frontline worker and I'm very peed off. With all of the selfish, don't care about the vulnerable to COVID-19 in our community, those idiots that had their Christmas and had their New Year's drinks party, all of our off licences should be shut down immediately and should be shut down for the duration of the lockdown or at least until the vaccine is well in the community. It is the only fuel for the virus to spread. Anyone that got Covid as the result of a Christmas party should be charged for any medical expenses that they are taking up. They thought it was great crack having these parties. Now they have the crack by wearing the t-shirt saying I got Covid from a party. Now a toast to all of you party idiots. Uh, thank you for spreading it. Sorry for the rant but I feel it has to be uh, said. 185333103, and then the hugely disappointing new yesterday that the Minister for Education had to do a U-turn on the opening of schools for next Monday and of course the U-turn now is the schools are not going to reopen and that also includes the special needs schools. Drake in uh, Glamworth who's a full-time carer for his special needs daughter said I would like to thank the secondary school teachers. I hope you can enjoy your days at home because the relief both parents and children with special needs were going to get by allowing special needs schools to open next Monday is now gone. And we are now back to 24 hours of housebound and the nightmare that that entails. Can I say a thank you to all teachers? And that's uh, from Porick in Glamouth who says, Patricia, I hope I speak for all parents of special needs children with my text. Well, I wonder will teachers work over Easter and summer to make up for the times that the schools are closed? No, I think the simple answer to that is no when that is put to any of the teachers' unions. Uh, they all say no, That that's not an option, and that that's not going to happen um, and lots of people can't understand why you can't shorten the longer summer holidays and just leave the children off school for the month of December and then take a month back in the summer but it's it's certainly no, it's uh, not going to happen and before people start saying put them on the COVID payments that's not going to happen either, teachers will say they're working remotely and that they are working from home. Now on the vaccine Texas says, Patricia, oh by the way we are going to be talking about the, uh, the very disappointing news for parents of special needs children, the fact that their schools uh, are not going to open on uh, Monday. We'll be speaking with one uh, with one parent who certainly who's going to be joining us just talking about what that reality means for parents with uh, children of special needs who had such a relief this week when they heard that their schools were going to open. They were going to be open five days a week from next Monday and then of course yesterday the U-turn was made by Norma Foley because of all of the teachers unions and the partners in education all saying that they didn't want the schools uh, to reopen to protect they're saying to protect both teachers and to protect pupils with so much COVID out in the community. But special needs uh, parents seeing all of that very differently. I read a piece yesterday on the paper of a mum with two uh, children on the autism uh, spectrum and she said she worries more about her children's mental health than she does of them actually catching the virus. So we will be addressing that later on on the programme. But our listener says, Patricia, it's very disappointing to hear that the HSC announced that they have, there's only been 15,314 vaccines issued here since the first batch arrived on the 26th of December. There are a further 81,900 vaccines that have been delivered, still waiting to be distributed. It certainly doesn't look like there's any urgency to roll it out. And, you know, I kind of feel the same as well. I wish that there was much more have a push to get the vaccines. I mean, because I've been defending it all along, saying, oh, the vaccines haven't arrived, the vaccines haven't arrived. But by all accounts, the vaccines have arrived. But it just seems to be, there doesn't seem to be that listeners right there doesn't seem to be an urgency with rolling it out when you look at what they're doing say even in Northern Ireland or in the United Kingdom I saw even Boris Johnson is talking about getting the army involved in order to speed up the rollout across the United Kingdom and the United Kingdom are well ahead of a lot of other countries in fairness because they were three weeks ahead in getting approval for the vaccine but they certainly seem to have this sense of urgency about getting the vaccine to people now I know there's a piece in the paper today it's a 95 year your old grandfather from Cork became the first person to receive the COVID-19 vaccine in County Kerry yesterday. Uh, it was Killarney Community Hospital, a gentleman by the name of John Cremen. He's originally from Knocknagree here in uh, Cork, but he's been a resident in Killarney Community Hospital since 2013. He was the first to get it. He said he was absolutely thrilled. He wasn't a bit worried about getting the vaccine. And he said, I'm glad to be getting it uh, today. He said it's not something that happens every week. And there was a huge sense of relief and almost excitement in Killarney Community Hospital when they started the road out there yesterday. Now, they tell us that there is an ambitious rollout programme will see cork Kerry community healthcare teams travel to more than 125 locations across Cork and Kerry to vaccinate residents and staff in private nursing homes and within the voluntary sector. Throughout the next week alone, Cork begins actually next Monday. Uh, Teams are expected to travel to more than 30 public and private facilities, 22 of them here in Cork and 11 in Kerry. And they say where more than 3,500 staff and residents will receive receive the vaccination. So they're saying that there is an ambitious pro- project. Uh, but with with if that listener is right and there are 81,900, there's nearly 82,000 vaccines here. And, you know, they're saying here for Cork, three and a half thousand staff and residents will, will be vaccinated. I don't know how much of an urgency is in that. I would prefer to see way more. I would like there to be a situation whereby at the as soon as those vaccines are in, within a week of the vaccines arriving that they would be administered. I I can't fully understand. It seems everybody is trained, that needs to be trained in order to administer it. I know there's this issue around it has to be kept at minus 70 degrees and then once the vials are opened they've got to be mixed and I think each bottle will give five people the vaccine and they have only so many hours after the the vial is opened and it's made up to administer it. But I, I don't know, other countries just seem to be getting the vaccine out quicker than than we have. And just on vaccine and I'm sorry I didn't mention this yesterday, there was a gorgeous story on the front page of the Irish Examiner yesterday about a nun by the name of Sister Colette Hickey who is going to be 103 at the end of the month. She was born on the 31st of January 1918, so it was just before the Spanish flu pandemic uh, hit. She's originally a native of my own hometown of Carmel in County Tipperary but she is uh, has been in a nursing home here in uh, Cork and uh, she is one of the ones obviously earmarked to get the uh, vaccine but she actually came out yesterday and uh, said would it be wasted on me you know the fact I'm nearly going to be 103 I'd prefer it to be given to anyone younger or someone on the front line well look Great, generous act. Now, there's no talk that they're not going to give her the vaccine, but I just thought it was one of the sweetest things that when she heard that she was in line and the nursing home that she's in, they're due to get the vaccine jab on Monday. And she's just th- thinking, would it be wasted on me? And no, Sister Colette, if you're listening to us, it wouldn't be wasted on you. You deserve to get the vaccine as much as anybody else. She actually was the first Cork person of the year. Winner. And she's been looked after in the Bon Secure run Mount Desert Care Village on the Lee Road. And she's been in there since January of last year when she developed uh, pneumonia. Uh, But Sister Collette will be remembered. And the reason that she won the Cork Person of the Year award was she was the one who set up. the Idel House as a refuge for mothers and children in abusive situations and she helped to found, find that back in 1972 and for her work there she was the first ever Cork Person of the Year when it was launched back in 1993. She was presented with a award at the time by the then Taoiseach uh, Albert uh, Reynolds. But I just thought what, what a lovely, lovely woman and what a great generous, kind spirit even at, as she heads up to her 103rd birthday all of her life she's obviously thought of other people and even in her final year she's still thinking of other people so Sister Colette we wish you nothing but good health and uh, we hope you have a wonderful birthday at the end of the month and just on Podrick's comments that uh, I mentioned Podrick from uh, Glamworth and he felt he was speaking on behalf of all special needs uh, parents bitterly disappointed that the Minister for Education has done a U-turn, not allowing special needs schools to open next Monday and Porrick is laying the blame at the hands of the Teachers Union for forcing uh, the Minister of Education's hands, number of people texting and immediately saying that man from Glanworth is spot on. I 100% agree with him. And somebody said, "Would you ever thank Porrick from Glanworth? He is speaking on behalf of so many parents with special needs children. As I say, this is an issue we will be returning to, uh, but we'll be getting to it after 11. Now, according to the Avondu newspaper, Arath Gore Cormac, man, came to the rescue of a young woman last week when she flagged down his vehicle, seeking help to escape from a man she claimed was following her. Alan Crinion, the gentleman who came to her aid, uh, joins me to take up the story. Good morning to you, Alan.
5: Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Well,
4: I'm very well, and uh, thank you for joining us and sharing the story with us. You were coming home from work in Cork City. What time of the day was it, and outline what happened. Uh,
5: Patricia, the evening I was coming home, It was just after getting dark, um, I was coming back from my usual route, through Cork, which I'm a contract cleaner. I do a lot of routing from Rackhawm at Cork every day, Sunday to Sunday, uh, with my business. And I just came through, I normally come through Watergrass Hill in the evenings, every evening, uh, which I normally do. I normally pull into the shop and pick up groceries, whatever my wife needs at the house. Um, and I was just coming through uh, Watergrass Hill that evening, coming down through Watergrass Hill. And just all of a sudden, this girl just comes to my left, my passenger side, just below. There's a kind of V in the road, just below uh, Watergrass Hill. The road splits into two. You can either take the main road, or go back around the ring. Um, and she just comes out, and she was just slagging me down with her hands, waving the hands up, and I was just like... No, I was literally... I wasn't even doing 25, 30 kilometres, because it's only a 30-kilometre zone anyway through uh, watergrass in and it start I kinda, of, Whoa, what? Well as I looked in my left mirror, which would have been my passenger side, I see her she was still standing literally on my road behind my van, so I, I stopped and she came running towards my passenger side and she and she just opened the door straight and she said, like, Please, please, can you help me? Can you help me? And I said, "What? what's wrong? What's wrong? She was I'm being followed, there's a man there's a man following me and I was like OK, the staff I was kind of like, OK. And she goes, please, please, can you help me? And I said, OK. And I said, get in. And as I got in, I went to look, which I couldn't at the time, look at my rear view mirror on her side, but my mirror is connected to my door. So when my door opened, my mirror goes out with the door. So I kind of lost vision because the door was open and she was kind of getting in. So I looked of my mirror and I just see this fellow crossing the road from behind me. i say he was a hundred feet back from my van um, and he crossed to my side of the road so I got in and she was thank you thank you so much but she was literally the girl was shaking from head to toe
4: literally. Now what what did she then tell you had happened?
5: So I got her into the van anyway and I turned at that V junction and I said where are you living she says I'm, I'm up the top of the, the top of the town so I says he okay. I says what happened. She goes I was actually in town. She says and um, he asked me for my asked me my name and I kind of ignored him. She said I kind of was like you know he was just I found him very strange the way he just approached me and um, like that I says right and I just kind of like this this was all like you know what the hell like you know what's going on the kind of thing like. You know, a girl's just after coming into my path saying she's being followed. So I says, "Are you okay?" I says, "Where are you living?" And she says, "I'm up the top of the town." So as I was going up, anyway, I says, "Do you want me to ring anybody? Do you want to ring?" She says, "My phone went dead. My phone was dead. My phone was dead when I was in shopping in town." She said.
4: So hang on now. Yeah. This 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 man approached her when she was in the city.
5: Yeah, yeah, no. So then he,
4: she she gets it, so she obviously she has nothing to do with him. Goes about her business, and then she gets on the bus to Watergrass
5: yeah. Hill. And yeah, did he, he did. follow her onto the bus? He followed her onto the bus, yeah. He literally followed her onto the bus, but this is the strange thing about it, Patricia, right? So I went round, and then, as I was swinging the car, he, the road, as, as I said, while she was getting into the van, when I seen him crossing the road to my side, which, when, when I was turning the van, heading back up to Watergrass Hill, he would have been on, my, he would have been on our side. But as I turned the van strangely enough the cross, to go back up to where she was telling me to go, he was he was no longer on the side of the road that he crossed. He was after crossing back over to the side where she was. Do you know, by the time I swung the van around to go back up, he was he was already after crossing to the right-hand side of the road. But as I turned the van to go back, he was after going back over to where he was. So that was grand. And the I got up, and she was tanking, the goal was literally shaking from head to toe. She was did, he,
4: did he try to engage her in conversation on the bus?
5: She said, she said he asked her for her number. She said he asked me for my number. She says I was absolutely petrified. She said my battery was on 2%. I could literally, I couldn't even see my screen, she said. And I said, OK. And I said, he, like, I said, Are you OK. And she says, I, I'm really, really scared. She went thank you, thank you so much. Kept saying, so when, the, you bus so pu- much, so
4: when now, the bus I, pulled into Watergrass Hill, he then gets off and follows her?
5: Oh, he gets off and followed up, yeah. He literally got off and followed up. Now, Patricia, there was no one around, because normally I come through uh, Watergrass Hill. No, some evenings, because I'm a contract cleaner, like I've got my own business, so some evenings I might get home till around nine, sometimes ten. But a lot of my clients, due to the COVID at the moment, are kind of closed, so I have a bit of space and a bit of time and I get home a bit earlier. Um, but that, just that even due to the COVID and due to whatever... And there was no one else
4: that, around, was
5: yeah, there? Unless, to, no, no. I, no, I You know, Patricia. When I came down to uh, Watergrass Hill, I'd normally pull into the girls' building, the, the shop, or I'd normally go to my local shop, Spell, in Rackhormick. And there was literally no one around. There was just this eerie, eerie feeling. Even last night, cause normally every couple of nights I go for a walk with my daughter, she's thirteen. I don't leave her own on her own when she wants to go for a walk. We go for a walk around, Rock around the village, there's a ring, we do the ring. And there was just, the last couple of nights, there's just this airy, airy feeling in the air. It's just like, there's literally no one around. And there was, I'd say the girl, I'd say when she seen the van and the lights, I'd, she, she literally, to be honest, she didn't come out enough for me to hit her or anything, but she came enough out for me to get my attention. Yeah, she was she was she was, she was yeah, she
4: was, was that. That, she was that she was that right. And do you storm. do you reckon that guy then went to go back on the bus but to go back incident, to Cork?
5: So I went back up anywhere dropped her off and she thanked me a million times. So I got in, I came back down towards heading home. It's just just whoa, what the hell is after happening here? I'm only after finishing the only twelve hour shift um and what? So I'm coming back down, uh, heading towards back down to the village, heading towards um, Watergrass Hill to Rackharmagh, and there he is standing on the opposite side of the road, up a bit, waiting on the bus stop to go back up the car. So he, uh, so
4: you reckon but, he only got on the bus,
5: yeah, to follow yeah, her? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because like he was standing there and he just gave me this strange look. Now his head didn't move, his eyes just moved. He had his hands behind his back. He was standing against kind of where the bus stop is, the wall behind him with his hands behind his back. And he just gave me this weird, like, deep look just with his eyes. And he must have realised, oh, that's the van she's got into. And he lost eye contact with me. He just put his eyes down to the floor. His head didn't move. He just followed me with his eyes because I was literally crawling down and I was kind of staring at him at the time. I was kind of raging, to be honest, because if it was my own daughter, Patricia, I would have... You know, it would have
4: been a story. Also, you I, know. Can, I, I can um, only imagine. Noreen and Douglas know. is saying, why didn't the young lady raise the alarm uh, sooner? Did she alert anyone's attention on the bus, do you
5: know? Uh, Patricia, I don't know. No. I don't. Okay. And, that's, and that's being honest. I don't okay. know. Well, of course, I, she
4: didn't know that he was going to get off the bus in Watergrass no, Hill. Geez, yeah, no, yeah. No, I mean, Patricia, it was when I mean, that's when she realised that she was in a very, very scary situation. Oh, my
5: God. Patricia. Yeah, And that's the thing about it, like... Um, I, like when I came home it was my wife actually decided you know I'm going to put up this uh, comment for people to see it Was my wife that got the ball rolling to be honest about things Because
4: um, yeah and one of the reasons that you want to go public is to raise raise awareness I, obviously I, I, of the possible honest, dangers but,
5: uh, I'm sitting upstairs last night and looking at this, uh, statistics to do with uh, girls that are after being followed and girls um, that are after being raped by people they don't know and things and they're frightening they're, they're absolutely frightening, the statistics and cases that are unsolved at the moment um, in Ireland, uh, all over Ireland. And I just want to make it a world like, we're going to come out of a lockdown after maybe six weeks, it could be eight weeks. You know, young ones want to get out with their friends, and they want to meet them, because they want to get out of the house. Because I've got a 12-year-old upstairs and she's kind of gunked up in her room. And every time she goes out, her friends could call to the house, Patricia, and she could be upstairs all day on the phone. And all of a sudden, I'm going out, Dad, I say, Okay, so I'll see you later, be careful and ten minutes later she'll come in and she say, I say, oh, How are you back? Oh my phone's gone guys and I'd be like, No I said, You're upstairs all day. I said, Keep your phone on charge, you're not going back out if you haven't got your phone fully charged, I don't. If it goes dead, me and madam doesn't don't know really where you are. Where you are, yeah, Yeah, you know, So what if, if, if if
4: nothing else, if nothing else, you always have your phone on charge. But again, it it's there's It's also a, p- a cautionary piece of advice for for young girls on their own, out on it their is, own.
5: It is. It is. There, Patricia. Because I was actually speaking to one of the ladies across in Spell last night, and uh, one of the staff, and they were telling me it's it's that was instinct. Only two weeks ago, a girl was standing at the bus, the bus stop in Cormac and this fellow just pulled up in a car, a black car, and just pulled straight across the up, stared across it up, got out of the car, walked over, and asked her, "Would you like a spin to cock? Come on, I'm going did, to cock. I'll did, give you a spin." Did she? I'm I'm wondering, like, did she report
4: it to the Garda, or was there anything to report in that just he followed her and made her feel? Very uncomfortable. And then thankfully you came to the scene yeah, and nothing has yeah, yeah. happened. But I suppose with there's no there's no see, incident
5: see, uh, yeah. to be honest, Patricia the probably the get the girls' hands are probably tied in a situation like this because physically he would have to um but probably touch her or He only yeah, freaked her out stuff, by I don't know yeah. what way it works, Patricia. Yeah, I, I literally yeah. don't, but I'm gonna I'm gonna actually look into it what way what way and what way don't know. Okay, but,
4: others are saying how incredibly brave you you were to stop the car. Somebody said, were you not afraid that it wasn't going to be some kind of a scam?
5: That, uh, did, that, that didn't I enter your there's head? A lot of people, there's a lot of people saying that to me, but just, it, it was just my gut. My gut instinct taught me, the girl needs help. It was just literally a split second. No, it could have been a trap, but me being me and having a, a 13-year-old daughter and... I just stopped. I literally stopped because I could see by her reactions the way I passed, after I passed her and she kind of went like with the pace. oh my God, she went, and she was literally, I could see kind of like, she needed help. It wasn't like, oh, stop, and then kind of turned her back to me or whatever. Yeah. She literally was still mm-hmm. facing to me as I was looking at her in my left-hand uh, passenger mirror as I was kind of going on. I said, what? So I slowed down, and I stopped, and she literally... She literally ran towards me. It was like, oh my god! He stopped, kind of thing, and she literally just opened the door. Like, please, please, yes, please, yeah, yes, I please.
4: think your gut instinct and your gut instinct as a dad, as 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 a dad. Somebody said by out, text, and "You
5: know what, Patricia? I just want to make it a way of girls out there. Please, please, just keep your phone charged, no matter where you're going." make sure if you're meeting someone, it's, a little, it's in a place, a built-up area, you're meeting them at the sh- front of a shop, somewhere where there's like because, like... That's three incidents now that I'm after being aware of. In
4: okay, the well, Alyssa said absolutely terrible what happened to, to to that girl. Did anybody think of going to the guard, the station in Watergrass Hill? Could the guard then not have questioned him? Uh, could you have taken a photograph of him? By the way, you were very brave, as I, says this uh, th- this honest,
5: Patricia, I thought about the photograph afterwards, but you have to be careful who you take photographs of because of data breaches, data protection with yeah, people yeah. as well. You know, and, then well, care, and then as well, and then as
4: well, in the heat of the moment, you just want to get this girl, this terrified young girl, you just want to get her home and let her feel safe.
5: That was literally what I wanted, yeah. it was just, it was just, uh, it, it was just split instance, you know, there's a lot of things, there. there's a lot of things you say when after have to not and I stop and just hold them, which I wanted to do. No, no, don't go down that road. You know, just, don't you go just down that road. Have you, have you heard from
4: it. her since... Alan?
5: No, I, no, to be honest, no, I haven't My spoken dad, and he's he's thanked me a million and trillion times. Okay. Uh, like, literally, but, I've, to but, be honest, Patricia, I hope that I don't have to experience what I've experienced with that goal and I hope no other goal has to go through what that goal went through or any of the other two goals that have been, that I've of the goals in for my the other night after being followed and the goal in Rackham where the man approached her to get into the gap. Okay. That's no... There's no you should so, have to go through. Yeah, that. the message is that, stay that, safe, but have, that, have the phone
4: is, have the phone charged, stay in well lit areas the, and don't be the, on the, your that's own.
5: That's all it is. And I, 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 I'm gonna look in I'm I'm gonna sit down with a couple of people and I'm going to come up with some app that can like make girls aware or just, you know, I'm gonna I am going to I, to be honest, I'd like to look further into doing It's just about awareness with girls, to be honest, because yeah you know, we're not living back in the 90s where you could walk down one side of the street you'd know everybody, you know who your neighbours are you don't know who anybody is anymore you don't know, it's just it's it's, it's a strange time Yeah, it, it is, it, indeed. It is, is, is indeed, it is know, indeed It is indeed, Especially was when I look at my daughter down she goes over her friends like they're just it's, 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 the community in Rockhormick they a lovely, lovely community honestly and the people there are lovely um, but you just You they just gotta watch them first? Yeah. Okay. It's just got to be careful okay. Where they well, keep,
4: okay, keep in contact with us if you come up with some kind of an, an app we'd love to speak with you again on it Alan and once again well done as I say all the texts and calls coming in are people saying well done how brave you were that girl was very lucky that you were in the right place at the right time and that's exactly yeah. what it was you just happened to be in the right place yeah, at the right, the right time right, listen that's stay that's safe right, Alan and thanks, thanks a million for joining sister, us and, happy new year, and many happy returns thanks, thanks, is, bye bye that is um, Alan Crinian from Rath on his his He's very brave act to save that young
6: girl. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
4: some of your calls and texts uh, coming in people reacting to Alan who uh, rescued that girl in Watergrass Hill last week Catherine says Hi Patricia I was waiting for a bus in Castle Martyr when this fellow pulled up and asked me do you want to spin anywhere and I said no 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 you're grand I'm just here waiting on the bus for my sister Uh, but I was shaking it kind of frightened me he was in I reckon he was in his mid-30s says Catherine I'm in my late 50s there are certainly uh, a number of very odd people out there at the moment you need to stay safe and Martin in from OISIS, Patricia, I'm a dad of two young women. I would personally like to say a huge thank you to Alan for what he did. And Alan said that the young woman's father. Just couldn't stop thanking him for what he did. So yeah, he was a, a great, great man indeed. So uh, thank you for those uh, comments. Um, hi Patricia, if I send a birthday card to my friend who also lives in Cork, will she get it tomorrow, or should I have sent it yesterday if it has to go to port uh, Well, well, firstly, we, I don't think there's going to be post tomorrow because tomorrow is Saturday. Now I know there was post, but that was to do with the run up to Christmas and how busy they were throughout the month of uh, December. So no, I would, I would nearly one hundred percent. Say that the card is not going to get there tomorrow. We, we were always good about next day service and next day post and I have posted some items that have arrived the next day even though post does leave Cork does go up to Leash and then gets distributed wherever it needs uh, to go back down to Cork if you're posting something that is for, for a Cork address uh, but, but because the postal service is under so much pressure not just to do with Christmas but to do with COVID and everybody shopping online I think next day delivery is almost on. That's not to say that it doesn't happen, but posting a card on a Friday expecting it to arrive on Saturday, I don't think you have a hope. I would put it in the post now. Your friend would possibly get it on Monday and you can give her a call and say there's a card in the post for you and then she can get excited for when it does arrive. Uh, Hi, Patricia. I'm confused. I thought that they said that the click and collect service was no longer allowed. I see certain pubs are still offering it for food. I'm not sure about drinks. I thought the whole idea was to keep people at home. Yes, the Click & Collect is gone for retail. You can still go to a restaurant or to a takeaway art, if a pub is doing, some pubs are doing takeaway food, but you can't get your takeaway pint anymore. That's what they're... That's what they're trying to stop. But absolutely, you're allowed to fold in an order for takeaway food and go and collect it. That is covered. And Peter wants to know, what is the final word on farm construction? Are we exempt? Uh, Thanking you, says uh, Peter. I haven't got an update on that. I'll get John Paul to check. We were working on that during the week. We'll see if we've got anything back. I know Harold Kingston The IFA in West Cork had been on to us and he said that they were certainly working on it as well. So if we get anything before the close of the programme, Peter will certainly will bring it to you. Hi Patricia, we should close down off-licences straight away. Uh, We should have done it last March. Even now talking about it is too late. South Africa banned alcohol and cigarettes. Is that because of COVID? Says Mary in uh, West Cork who wants a total ban on off-licences. Pat Moy says, I don't believe off-licences should close. I think they should limit the times that the off-licences are open. Say close them at 5pm every day. Also, Pat Fields, limit the amount that you can purchase when you go into an off-licence. Say put the limit on Two bottles of wine or 12 cans of beer. Uh, Off-licences are keeping many people sane, but they do need to be controlled. And, you know, to be honest, what's coming from the government when they say that they're going to be looking at off-licences, that to me is what they're looking at. They're looking at a a curfew on sale of alcohol. I mean, they've ended the takeaway points. But to me, that's what they're going to do. They're going to limit that you can only buy alcohol at certain times in the day. That's what the Taunas de Leo Varadkar was hinting at uh, yesterday. Nothing yet as to when that's going to be announced or if that's going to come in. But I think, Pat, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. They're not talking about a full total shutdown of them. And Gat on Twitter at C103Cork says if you take away every bit of alcohol from every retail outlet and every off licences, what will happen is people will try to make it at home. Banning the sales will cause serious medical conditions for people who are alcoholics, both in and out of the system, plus penalise those, plus it would also penalise those who just like the odd glass of wine with their meal. And there will be a lot of people would say that, that you know that they enjoy their glass of wine and the weekend or whatever, a glass of wine with their meal or a few bottles of beer on the weekend and if you decided to ban all alcohol sales, everybody would be affected by it. Now we are going to be talking in a couple of minutes about the fact that special needs schools are not going to open next next Monday and already this morning on the programme there was some criticism of teachers Some people are pointing the finger of blame at the teachers unions because it's the teachers unions who lobbied very hard to the Minister for Education who did the U-turn yesterday. Well Sharon is one of those teachers who actually teaches in a special needs school and this morning Patricia I assure you if I thought it any way possible to be at school next week I would. Apart from the fact I absolutely love my job and have done many years voluntary work providing home support for children with special needs It's simply not safe. While I have so much empathy for parents of children with special needs, and I understand how hard it is to be at home full time, we are not responsible for that burden. We are educators, we're not carers. We should not be classed as respite. I've been an advocate for children I teach with special needs for the past thirteen years, but I agree with schools being closed. It simply is not safe at the moment. Staffing staff are dealing with intimate care, no social distancing. And so many staff will be out when I heard the news on Wednesday that the schools were to reopen. I was so upset, worried, and uh, anxious and By the way, Sharon said i 'd happily work for the month of July to make up for time that we're not in school i do but I do July provision as it is anyway, so I would have no problem in giving up a month of the uh, holidays, and that 's from somebody who's works in. As the special needs uh, teacher. Okay, on vaccines, Dan. Says Patricia, another issue with the slow rollout of the vaccines, this question's arriving rising now in the United Kingdom as to as the mo- at the moment regarding the length of time that the vaccines remain effective after being administered. There's a suggestion that vaccines may only be effective for six months and it could be necessary to either readminister the dose or give another booster at that stage. If that turns out to be the case, and at the rate we're distributing the vaccines, it's difficult to see us getting past vaccination of medical staff and nursing homes and those that are vulnerable. It's going to be interesting watching the reaction of society when Ryanair and other airlines really start pushing this vaccine go line, we could be still facing lockdowns says Dan. And someone else on vaccinations says we have about 4.5 million people in this country that need to be uh, vaccinated. If you look at those figures, 4.5 million people, they will need to vaccinate 24,725 people per day for 365 days. This is never going to happen. And also no one can say how long people who get the vaccine will actually be immune for it. I'm not trying to worry people but these are the facts. There's somebody who broke down uh, the numbers. Okay, if you're saying that that we need to do nearly 25,000 people a day in order to vaccinate everybody in this uh, country, that is, still, that is still doable. If you look how other countries are vaccinating and how many people they are vaccinating I mean if you look at our flu jabs we gave out 1.3 million we didn't actually have enough flu jabs for the amount of people that wanted flu jabs this year and we did that through our GP services we did it by the pharmacists giving out the vaccine. So where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, do you remember Dr. Mike uh, Thompson from East Cork who joined us, who had, they'd set up the vaccination, the drive-through flu vaccination centre down in Middleton. And he was saying, and at the time he had to close us because they couldn't get their hands on enough vaccine. But he was saying when he was talking about setting it up and the army got involved in helping them to put it up, put up the tents that they needed for the, for the drive-through facility. But he was saying at the time that this would be a great, model to use for the COVID-19 vaccination where you would have drive-through vaccination centres. Again, they're doing it in other countries and you could have, you know, you could go to places like GAA clubs you could have every town having a vaccination centre where people would turn up on a certain day and literally in out, in out and vaccinate people. So where there's a will there's a way but it's just getting enough vaccines into the country to have the vaccines available in order to administer them. So I I, I wouldn't be the doom and gloom merchant yet about the number of people that need to be vaccinated but I accept our rollout is just too slow. I think everybody is saying that we need to do something to push on the rollout. Morning to you Patricia. This is another Whatsapper and a Happy New Year to you. Many happy uh, returns. My rant for today. It's ignorance and stupid people that are spreading the virus. I don't go shopping, but like a bold child, my husband takes me for a drive while he does the shopping. So I sit in the car watching the world go by. Yesterday, as I sat in the car, a woman I know, a family member of hers has the virus, and she is the one looking after this person. She went into a shop as bold as brass. What is this woman on? I tell you, I used some choice words to describe her. For obvious reasons, please don't call out my name. Uh, stay safe, Uh, Trish. It won't be easy. Uh, Okay, she she should be restricting her movements. If she's living in a house with somebody that has COVID-19, she should be restricting her movements. But under restricting your movements, you are allowed to go. Ideally, you shouldn't go to the shop. Ideally, you should have somebody else doing the shopping for you. You should get onto your local shop. They're all still doing delivery uh, services. And yes, you're right. People will be very nervous to know that you're in a shop with somebody who's living in a house with somebody who has COVID-19. Now, you would hope that the person that has COVID-19 is completely isolating themselves against everybody else in the household. But we all know of cases where somebody brings COVID-19 into a house and even though they're doing their best to quarantine inside in room. We've all heard of cases where an entire family has come down with COVID-19. Equally, I've heard of, I mean, that is the, the person that we interviewed. Um, the gentleman we interviewed, was it last week, who was talking about uh, COVID-19? It was it earlier this week. He was talking about having uh, COVID-19 and nobody in a household of seven and nobody else in the household got it. So it is possible to completely quarantine and keep it away from everybody else. But yes, the rest of the people in the house are meant to restrict their movements and only go out of the house if it's absolutely necessary. Going to the shop, surely there was somebody else could have done the shopping for that uh, woman. Uh, Stay safe is right. Uh, Another text, that says, in England, they are fining those who went to shops without masks. Uh, While shopping the other day, I noticed a few people in shops who were not wearing masks. I drew it to the attention of the shop assistant and was told they cannot say anything to them. And somebody was... they are issuing a lot of fines in the UK to get people to wear their masks. And remember the other day, somebody was saying, "Have we fined anybody in this uh, country?" Well, on guard, the Corner, have issued a list of some of the court outcomes of Garda enforcement. Now there hasn't been that many but there have been uh, people I can't find any for County Cork. I'll give you an example of some of the cases that have come before the courts and people have been fined. In County Cavan a male found in breach of travel restrictions without reasonable excuse fined €150. In County Kildare another man for the same €250. In County Sligo two males found in breach of the travel restrictions both fined €300. Euro. In Dublin, a male uh, was directed to return home, observed still in breach of the regulations at the same location. Two hours later, he was fined €350. Euro. In County Tipperary, a male found in breach of the travel restrictions, €400. Euro. Two males in County Meath. In breach of health regulations at a domestic house, I'm assuming somebody at a house party, they were both fined €1,000. In County Dublin, a male found in breach of travel restrictions, 30 days in prison. In Leitrim, a male found in breach of travel restrictions, two months in prison and there was one female on the list that was issued by the Gardaí in County Meath, uh, a woman found in breach of travel restrictions without reasonable excuse, a non-resident at a property and she got four months imprisonment. So they are issuing fines. There isn't a lot of fines been issued, but they certainly have issued fines. Is it enough of deterrent I don't know. Maybe they need to be doing more uh, fines. And hi, Patricia, just a quick note on the construction sector. Let nobody be under the impression that all sites are compliant. I have seen COVID hand washing stations all set up without ever being plumbed. Sanitizer bottles diluted to little more than oily water. Masks non-existent and if they're present, they're usually under the chin or under the nose are filthy dirty from being reused COVID tracing forms rarely filled in, and personnel being shipped from one site to another to get them into a position where they can be considered near completion. It is an utter disgrace. And that's on some construction sites, other construction sites have really bought their A game and have done everything possible and there's been no spread of COVID because of it but as we know all construction sites except those on the essential list must down tools from 6 o'clock this evening. And Pat says Morning Patricia COVID and hospitals the HSC are saying that hospitals won't be able to cope with the increasing amount of COVID patients I really feel for the hospital staff but only a few years ago the government and health boards were closing down hospitals and never gave a care for the future it's time now to wake up says Pat from Charleville ok just some of your texts and calls coming into us this morning 1850 333103 text or whatsapp 0862 C103 Jobs Construction General Operative wanted for sites that are mainly in South Cork while General Farm Workers and Relief Milkers are required that's in County Cork General operatives wanted to work at Irish Yogurts. They're based in County Kildare, and Flow Engineering in Mallow are looking for a workshop operator. It's to work with CNC equipment to assemble and disassemble mechanical components. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
3: Court today on C103.
6: With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See macrooemotors.com
4: parents of children with special needs are said to be devastated by the decision to keep schools closed for the rest of the month of January. The CEO of the autism charity As I Am Adam Harris, who by the way is going to be joining us on the programme on Monday, has already said that remote learning does not work for many children and the majority of parents of children with autism were depending on schools reopening next Monday. One of those parents is Colette from Bantir, who's contacted us. Uh, good morning Chi you Colette. Morning Patricia how are you? Uh, I'm very well, I'm very well. And you sent us an amazing heartfelt email that we felt w- I wouldn't do justice just reading it out and that's why we contacted you uh, to join us on the programme you didn't sleep very well last night no um, it's just
7: sorry not my emotions
4: I know I know uh, just, just, just take your time you have a little boy Paddy
7: yeah Paddy he'd actually be six on Monday okay. and we were looking forward to the fact that I suppose to go to the back to the very start of March last year uh, when the schools went to lockdown first, uh, remote learning from Paddy doesn't work. It doesn't work for 90% of children who attend AISD with our special schools. Um, he was doing very well in his early intervention unit, um, but then everything stopped. We used to get updates and materials from the school, which was great, but Paddy wouldn't engage at home with the learning. We had no support, and still have had no support from his service provider. Um, No SLT, no OT. So...
4: And you see, that's an important point. Children that are going to special needs schools, Mm. it's not just the teaching side. No, it's the overall sensory,
7: the OT, the SLT they get, the movement breaks. It's an all-encompassing therapy rather than just teaching. You know, the units, like Paddy goes to an ASD unit attached to a mainstream school. Now... They have been fantastic. I couldn't praise the school enough and how the setup they have since they've opened in September. It was a new school that Paddy started into and they have been amazing. The progress that he's made with his speech, with his language, even with his regulation is amazing. But now even this week, when he should be back in school, we can see ourselves slow progress, slow that he's regressing back to where he was. And as a parent, that's the last thing you want to see. So when we heard the news that Norma Foley was like, oh brilliant, finally, finally the children who have special needs and who need the extra help are going to get some support because we have been forgotten. Since March last year, we have gotten nothing. I take great offence in anybody who says that we want schools open for babysitting or that we want to pawn our kids off. That's not it. We want an education for our children. And
4: and all the supports that come with it. The
7: supports that come with it. The structure that they have in places in schools, um, in schools like Holy Family in Charleville. I know a little boy down the street from me who was meant to go back there Um, on Monday. His mother is devastated. He he's got a a lot of additional needs. He's not. He's autism, but he's got a TARP syndrome, which is a rare syndrome. She has no supports. I mean, nothing. She has no home support from from St Josephs themselves since last January last year. You know, we're left on our own.
4: Have you any home
7: support? Nothing card? since January last year.
4: And and up to that, you did have home support? Three hours a week. And now, it
7: mightn't seem much to some people. Yeah. But I could go to tons. I could get a shopping done. I could take my daughter, who's only four, for a walk on her own. You know, do something with her because she's also forgotten in this. We, if you're a special needs parent, and 90% of your time is taken up by the special needs child. Yeah. If you have another child who doesn't have additional needs, they tend to be decided and forgotten, you know. She's suffering too, and we can see that, and it kills us.
4: And had you already been dreading the Christmas holidays because that was going to be a break in Paddy's routine as is?
7: Mm, not so much, no, because he was getting on so well in school, um, that he was such such a happy little boy. He li- you could literally open the car door in the morning, he'd run across the road into school and look, wouldn't even look back. Yeah, you know, he loved going to school. He loved his teacher. Loved the SNA. You know, he was getting on fantastic. We had a fear going into the Christmas holidays that they wouldn't open back up, uh, which we have now been realised for a lot, a lot of parents around the country um, for this announcement to say that, yes, finally, we would get support. It was amazing. And then the turmoil and the stress and the anxiety that we've had the last 48 hours, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? We feel like the unions have literally thrown the teachers, you know, They've used our children as a pawns. The government wants the children to get the support. The unions are saying, no, it's not safe. Anybody who goes to a special needs school or goes to an autism unit in a school, they're little bubbles. I have been literally in lockdown since March last year. I don't go anywhere. I go to the shop maybe once a week. I take the kids to school. I come home. From two o'clock in the day, I'm at home.
4: And you, you're right in that I don't think you can make any comparison between the Leaving Cert students going into a class with 30, 32, you know, students and, and a teacher and special needs schools and units. They're very small They're groups. very small,
7: like they're maximum six to a class. They're set up social distance anyway, but they're workstations, they're separate. Anybody who knows autistic children, they don't really like other people in their space, you know. It's just the nature of the bubble is actually works very well in a COVID environment.
4: And the argument, Colette, that we have so much community transmission of COVID-19, would you be fearful of Paddy picking up COVID-19?
7: No, I'm more fearful of his regression. He has autism. He has global delayed development. So he's six years age. I'm still spoon feeding him. You know, there's all he doesn't, he's not toilet trained, I'm still doing nappies. I've spoken to other parents, uh, they've had regression with toileting, but they've had kids who've been toileted, but now they're back in nappies.
4: Oh my God.
7: I had one mother made a comment to me last night, and she said, This will literally kill some families.
4: Yeah, I read a woman the, who gave her story to one of the newspapers during the week, and her child had finally learned to feed herself. Such mm-hmm. a simple thing!
7: It's a simple thing, but oh know, my god, I would, I can't wait for the day that Paddy was able. And to it's that.
4: gone. It 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 went within within weeks of the lockdown. Yeah, that, because they that have that hidden scale. anxieties
7: that they can't yeah. communicate to us.
4: Yeah, and how 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 is Paddy doing in Kinnet?
7: He's not too bad at the moment. Like we have a routine now in place at home his dad takes him out for a walk around the park here, here every morning uh, he loves that, getting out, he likes the park in the morning when it's quiet and there's not too many people around you know, we're going as a family then as well and we're playing on the slides you know, we're having a nice time as a family but there's only so much we can do at home for him because he thrives on the structure in school and we've seen that, seen how he thrives in it you know, he knows what's going to happen for his day to day to day at home, as a parent, you can't have rigidity like that it just doesn't happen You know, somebody's going to, we have another child in the house who's not autistic. They're spontaneous. They do different things. You know, we have a support bubble in place with family members. So we have, um, my sister-in-law comes over to give us a bit of respite. We have an excellent neighbour. You know, we have maybe six people who we see on a daily basis. And we've seen those people since March last year. And that's it.
4: It's, it's, you know, and it's, it's it's and this idiot. remote learning of a Zoom call. A Zoom call no good to Paddy. No. no. Yeah, we
7: tried that the last time the lockdown came in and it was literally uh Paddy's dad on the phone with the Zoom meeting going on, chasing Paddy around the house, trying to get him to engage. I know. And he'd hear something and he'd put the hands in the ears, No, I'm not doing it. I'm at home. This is my safe space. You know, some days he comes home from school he can have be a fantastic day in school. And he'll come in the door and he'll let go. And that's what we as parents deal with. We're their safe space. We're not their OTs. We're not their SLTs. We're not their teachers. But yet we have to be.
4: I read out a heartbreaking email during the week from another mother talking about her little boy and what his how his th- th- he never had meltdowns before lockdown, and her description of what a water lockdown, what a meltdown looked like, and having to put him into the out into the garden because he was banging himself off the ground. Well, mm-hmm. the, I the ground. know that little
7: boy, and he's Do a you? very very happy little boy. He's actually in Paddy's y- class.
4: Is he? Ah, oh, it's just uh, for any. I mean, and and I know when I read it out, we had reaction from listeners saying that they couldn't believe, their hearts were broken for their family, but you have to have to watch your child. Yep. Self-harm like that is really difficult. And you're powerless. Yeah. Nothing
7: you can do can stop it. You know, you'll, all you can do is be there and comfort the child. And that's the reality that we live in. And like for a parent, even when you're doing these forms for any aids or anything you need, you have to literally write down on paper your daily struggle. And you know, for a parent, that's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, it's hard enough to write down on paper something negative in your life if you're, you know... But then to write down what you actually do in the mornings. I'm up since five o'clock yesterday. I've had no sleep last night, you know, due to the stress and anxiety. And then Paddy decided, oh, the kids have poor sleep patterns. Two o'clock this morning, he wanted to get up. Three hours of struggling trying to get him to go back to sleep. I finally gave up five o'clock this morning.
4: So that's it. He woke at two and his night's sleep was finished.
7: Yeah, I people have tried melatonin and everything, with him. but not, once he's awake, he's awake. That's it.
4: And that means you have to get up with them. It's not, yeah. yeah. You can't leave them alone and supervised. Yeah, you and you you finish your your email with a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah, that the true measure of any society can be found in how it treats its most vulnerable members.
7: Yeah, and like we got to consider this lockdown and the closure of special needs schools and special units for kids with autism and Down syndrome and all the rest of them. There's also the kids out there from vulnerable families. Yeah, they could be homeless. There is programs like You've reached, who help vulnerable kids. They're all gone. What support do they get? You know, it's not just my family. It's a lot, a lot of families around the country. You know, when you get no help or support and have received no help or support since the first lockdown last year. You know, we're tired of screaming and roaring.
4: You sound
8: exhausted.
7: I am. It's no fault of the school. The school have been absolutely amazing. They said the setup they have there is wonderful. Paddy loves it. And that other little boy loves it. You know, Caleb next door, he goes to Holy Family. He loves going to Holy Family. He loves when they bring the dog. And, you know, all those little things that happen in the school environment, it makes their kids day. You know, you feel such happier child at home. Yeah. And that makes the overall living easier.
4: Yeah. And as you say, you have a younger child. You have a four-year-old yeah. as well who's can't be forgotten. She you
7: tends you tend to get pushed aside because Penny might have a meltdown or something else might need to be done. And, you know, it's it, you're pulled constantly.
4: Yeah. And you've got you yourself and your husband as well. You've got lives, but they're just all permanently put on hold.
7: Yeah. Like, I'm a full-time carer. I don't work. I, thankfully, I have an outlet that I do the voluntary work a um, couple of mornings a week. That's my bit of normality. That's, that, that's gone now at the moment as well due to COVID. You know, that's, that was the only outlet we had was a little bit of auditory work that we both did on the side to get out to society. You
4: know. Okay. All right. Listen, I think you're speaking on behalf, uh, Colette, of so many other parents. I can see people saying, uh, well done to Colette for speaking up. I feel she's speaking up on my behalf as well. I am the parent of uh, two special needs uh, yeah. children. Okay. Listen, we'll keep in contact with you, Colette. But thank you for sharing your story with us and, and thanks for contacting the program. Thanks very much for okay. having me okay. on Tuesday, Mind yourself. Bye bye. Bye now. bye. bye, bye. Ah, That's Colette, a mum of a little autistic uh, boy. As I say, we have uh, put we've had made contact with uh, As I Am, which are the leading support group for uh, children and adults on the autism uh, spectrum. And their CEO is Adam Harris. You know, he's brother of um, Simon Harris uh, and he's going to join us on Monday on the programme because as that that autism charity they're devastated as well that the schools that the special needs schools are not going to reopen next uh, Monday and you, you could not But heart go out listening uh, to Colette. It's just such a difficult, difficult situation that they find themselves in doing the very best that they can do looking after these. They're children that they love so much, but they just need a bit of support and a bit of help. 1850 333 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103.
6: 103
3: Cork today on C103
6: with Macroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota, see macroommotors.com.
4: Now, Ireland Reaching Out, also known as Ireland XO, connects people of Irish heritage with their place of origin here in Ireland. And it's a volunteer-based organisation. They're hoping to find the descendants of two World War II heroes from Kinsale. To take up the story, I'm joined from Ireland Reaching Out by Laura Colloran, who is their programme manager. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, it was the Irish ambassador in London who made contact with your group. Tell me about these two men who believe originally from Kinsale and why they're trying to locate their families.
9: Well, this originates um, with a, a, a book that has been compiled by a military researcher in the UK. Her name is Gloria Winfield. And they came across these wonderful photographs and personal notes that were kept by a certain Eleanor Casey in New York during World War II. And the photographs and notes were about two men who they used to host in their house um, as part of the, their, when they were deployed through New York. Um, they were enlisted as regular Royal Naval sailors. Uh, her husband was in the US Navy. So when they would go back and forth in the U-boat infested Atlantic during World War II, when they would come to New York, they would stay with the Casey's. And these two men um, were Irish men. We now believe that one of them is from Dublin, um, but the other man is definitely from Kinsale, or was from Kinsale. Uh, His name was William Penrose. Um, He was born in around 1908, and his address as as a three-year-old in the 1911 census was 51 Main Street, Kinsale. So Gloria, who is the researcher, is looking for descendants of Mr. Penrose so that she can pass on these wonderful photographs of him in New York staying with the Casey's during kind of the downtime between his um, duties uh, on on the Atlantic Seas.
4: And that was quite a common thing that families threw open their, their doors to soldiers and sailors and Air Force men from overseas during the war. Yes.
9: certainly that I was not very aware of but um, in speaking with Gloria uh, they are compiling a wonderful book full of these type of memories Um, so you know we know a lot of the uh, of the 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 military history of World War II, but this is more focused on the social and cultural aspect of it and yeah. the friendships that were made. And Eleanor Casey, she also would send goodwill packages back to the families of these two men in Ireland to their children.
4: All right, so we know, we know that William had children then.
9: Yes, it's believed that William had a family and that actually I believe um, Eleanor Casey has a photo of William at one of his children's weddings Ah. um, in the 60s. Um, But they're not 100% certain about this. And again, that's why they really want to connect with descendants. Um, because, of course, if, if a wedding happened in the 60s, um, it would be very interesting for for those descendants now to have those <clears throat> notes and to make the connections as well.
4: OK, so William Penrose, as you say, you know he was born in 1908, yes. 51 Main Street, Kinsale. His mother was Sarah Penrose yes. and his father was George uh, Penrose. Yes. And they were members of the Church of Ireland.
9: Yeah, that's what the it says on the census, um, the 1911 census. And that's available to view online at the National
4: Archives website. So it's direct descendants of the Penrose. And Penrose oh, yeah. wouldn't be a very common name. Because I know the other gentleman who they've, they've since found family was a gentleman by the name of Vincent Smith. Now, yes. Smith would be a fairly common name. <laughs> but Penrose, I, I imagine, wouldn't be. A very common name.
9: Well it wouldn't be your Murphy or yeah. uh, you, you know yeah. uh, or Joyce. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You'd have thought it would it, there would be someone who would know. Yeah. Uh, now at that time there was only one child living in the house and he was a three-year-old. So it's possible that the, you know, Sarah and George went on to have other children. Uh, and of course, those lines would have, um, would have extended. They may have stayed in Ireland. They may have left Ireland, but there really should be. It's not that far ago, 1911. No. Um, you know, the mass exodus would have happened prior to that. Yeah, So absolutely. it's quite possible that there are descendants, if not direct. Descendants, then maybe of brothers and sisters of um, William. And it would be just great if somebody out there hearing this, you know, if the name rings a bell um, to get in contact with us at info at com, and we would really love to make this connection. Um, you know, Gloria Winfield, who is undertaking the research, she's an amateur. Uh, researcher. And that's really, you know, that's our job as well. We have, you know, hundreds of volunteers all over Ireland. They too are amateur researchers, but they take their work very
4: seriously. Yeah, Tell Uh, me a little bit about um, Ireland Reaching Out. It's it's an amazing network of people.
9: It is. It's exactly that, Patricia. It's a network. Um, We have in Ireland almost 200 local volunteers. And Basically, what we do is we have a website called Irelandxo.com. We have people from all over the world who are looking to connect with um, their place of origin in Ireland, uh, where their ancestors came from. And there's a lot of information online, but there's a lot of information that is not online, that is held in local communities, that is passed down through stories. And this is kind of the connection that really helps people find out more about their Irish ancestry.
4: Are you busier during the global pandemic? Because I take it, you know, with people having more time in their hands, that's something that a lot of people might consider doing. Oh, let's check out our roots exactly what happened. I suppose
9: we were filled with panic at the beginning of 2020. We also arrange a lot of meet and greets so people who actually find out where their ancestors are from, they then decide perhaps to come and pay a visit right. and our local volunteers if they are available will meet with them and show them well, the local area well. the graveyard introduce them maybe to the if it, when it was open you know to the people in the pub who, who might have more information about their, their ancestors so that was that all just disappeared yeah. in March um, but on the other hand our activity online just um, skyrocketed Uh, We've had a very, very busy year, a very successful year in terms of engaging with more people than ever online. We have more than 130,000 members all over the world. Um, So these are people who have joined Ireland XO who believe that they have connections in Ireland and want to find out more about their Irish family history. And it's a wonderful way for Irish communities to reconnect with diaspora who have, you know, maybe generations ago have not been in contact with Ireland. You know, many of the people who connect with us on the message board, their ancestors left during the famine and they've had no connection with Ireland since then, their descendants.
4: And I take it a lot, you have a lot of interaction with people in the States.
9: Yeah, uh, about 35% of our website traffic Comes from the US. So again, our website traffic has really boomed um, since March. In December, we had over 100,000 sessions and 35% of them were from the US. But we also have a lot of traffic from Canada, the UK, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and more and more um, from South Africa and Europe.
4: Goodness, you'll find Irish no matter where you go, won't you? People, <laughs> have people of Irish descent. OK, so people can find out more about your group as well by going, logging on online. Your website address? com. OK, and that's where we direct you to as well. If anybody knows, uh, can fill us in on who William uh, Penrose, uh, if there's any family members of the Penrose family... Uh, Either still in Kinsale or may have moved out of the general Kinsale area. Please let us know. Listen, Laura, really enjoyed our chat. Continue good luck with the great work that you're doing, and thanks Thank for joining. Thanks for joining us on the program. Good morning to you. Good that morning. is Laura Colrain, who is program manager with Ireland Reaching Out irelandxo.com If you want to find out more,
6: you're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
4: some of your comments coming into the programme uh, today on Colette who spoke to us about what life is like for families of children with special needs now that we know schools are not going to reopen for them on uh, Monday. Texas said Happy New Year Patricia, many happy returns. Um, I just heard Colette who is distraught over the closure of special needs schools and I just thought I'd mention, I work with children with special needs, it's in a different part of the county and when the schools closed in March a number of us carers contacted the parents of the children where we worked who we worked with and offered to help them in any way we could. Most parents refused. They were afraid to let anybody into their houses because of the virus. Brothers were delighted. We minded the children while they went shopping or for a walk or just to give them a little bit of time out. We took the children out for outings as well and it really did help. Well done, well done. And I'm sure there's lots of cases uh, like that. But then equally for someone like Colette and that other mother that contacted us early on in the week and we've heard from other parents today some families got Literally zero, nothing at all. All their supports just literally went overnight with the announcement that schools were going into lockdown. You know, and actually I could understand back in March, there was a huge nervousness about COVID-19 back in March and people were terrified to leave anybody into their houses. Now, it's still the same Uh, today. There are some people who won't let anybody into their house and they're staying almost cocooned and cocooning the whole family and that is very understandable but other families only too delighted with an offer of a help uh, like that and I don't know are you doing are you going to do something similar again you probably will but uh, well done you you and uh, the other people that you speak about you've got good hearts Uh, keep them up okay a number of people have been on about delivery of cards and letters and post and how items have, are taking longer than before and obviously it's not just Christmas this year. We had the add-on that we are living in the middle of a pandemic. Lots and lots of people now are shopping online and the postal service, not just in this country but all over the world, are absolutely swamped. But lots of people have examples of cards and posts being delayed. Margaret said, I posted a card in Mallow on Monday and it took on till yesterday to reach Ballybunion. Posted it on Monday, got there yeah, Thursday Yeah, okay. Alma says, I posted my box of presents to my brother in Canada, 30th of November. still hasn't received it Brendan in Bantry says I posted an item in the middle of November to Cork City from Bantry that still hasn't arrived Shelley in Mahan said I posted a card on Monday and it arrived on Wednesday to the person if you, if you really want to get a card particularly if it's a special birthday or whatever you really now need to give it two days to arrive on time uh, because they really are stretched uh, at the moment Coming in on uh, text. Uh, Hi, Patricia. My Christmas cards were posted on the 21st of December, which was the recommended last day of posting by on post for posting in the Republic of Ireland. One of the cards I posted to a person who literally only lives 50 metres from my house. It arrived to them on the 5th of January. It was posted that's due to the COVID safety regulations. If I wanted to send New Year cards, I would have done so, but it was Christmas cards I was sending. None of my cards, not one arrived before Christmas. I've even... Received some post myself just this morning. Wake up on post. You've lost one loyal customer. Hello to the future with social media. I'm 70 and not in good humour uh, today. Again, I, I jump in in defence of, of, of on post and in particular of the post men and women who've just worked uh, so hard. Uh, yeah, I'm still receiving Christmas cards. Every day this week I've gone home to uh, Christmas cards and even here at work today there was a Christmas card that arrived. I think anyone who posted and you were right, it was recommended that the 21st, but I think anyone who left it that late to post the cards then certainly none of those cards arrived until after Christmas, because remember then there was five days where there was no postal service uh, at all. And as for overseas, because I posted a number of packages, the Australian ones didn't get there until after Christmas, but I had posted uh, parcels to family members living in uh, England and they certainly took a much longer period of time than normal. But then I, and th- and then The return packages back over to me as well uh, took longer than usual. But there was one particular parcel that I was sending to Oxford in England and I posted it and it took, uh, I think it was just under three weeks to arrive. And the household I was sending it to sent a parcel over to me that took 10 days to arrive and we were comparing dates of when we posted and when they actually arrived. They both actually arrived on the same day, even though the one coming from England had been posted a good week, maybe even eight, nine days longer than the when I'd put mine, mine in the post. I actually think that the delay wasn't on this side. I think the delay was on the English side because remember over in England as well and in America and in Canada and in Australia, they equally are dealing with a global pandemic. They equally equally are dealing with their people Buying an awful lot of items on on line and more parcels, more Christmas parcels went in the post this year than ever before because people weren't able to get home. So I think we, we can't just blame the Irish Postal Service. I think the Postal Service in other countries as well uh, certainly are under pressure and this has come in from somebody that I take it works within the Postal Service regarding next day postal delivery. A letter posted from Cork leaves the various delivery units in Cork at around 6.30 in the evening. It arrives in Port Leash between 9pm and 9.30pm. This post is sorted for nationwide delivery. It then leaves Port Leash between 2 and 3am in the morning. Letters for Cork delivery arrive in the various delivery units at 4.30am the following day. So, there is the possibility of next day delivery. They're not saying if they're very busy that all of the letters will get there next day Next day, but that is the timeline and if that works and they're not as busy as say they were in the lead up to Christmas then there, you would have next day delivery because if it arrived into the various delivery units by 4.30 a.m. it will be ready for the post people then to deliver it to your homes. Happy New Year says Margaret many happy returns. I posted a card to the United Kingdom on December 15th It was received on Monday the 4th of January while I received their card on December the 22nd. Both cards posted on the same day. God bless, uh, says Margaret. Yeah, well, there's a typical example of what I'm talking about. The delay was on the UK side not on the Irish side and actually uh, some family members sent Marsha a little present that only arrived yesterday and I was messaging to say thank you and that it arrived safe and sound and uh, the, the person who sent it was texting back saying that she actually thought it was lost because she had posted it in the middle of December but it didn't arrive until the 6th of uh, January. And she, w- she was definitely saying it was their end, that it wasn't uh, this end. Margaret said, Why was the central sorting office put in Port Leash? We had a great service in Mallow. Why fix something that isn't uh, broken? And someone else says, This year, many cards that were posted didn't get franked by On Post. One came yesterday, but how can I say it was posted on such and such a day if there wasn't a postmark? And I agree with you on that. And the one thing I have noticed. On the cards that are arriving late, there isn't any frank on it because the cards that arrived into work this morning and I was here sorting the post before I came on air this morning and that was the one thing I noticed because I checked. I said, I wonder when that was posted from one of our listeners and there was no frank on it, so I wasn't able to say when it was uh, posted. 1850 333 Patricia, would you know if the civic community sites that take the real Christmas trees will they also take an artificial uh, Christmas tree for recycling I imagine they will because they take an artificial Christmas tree is basically plastic so yeah I don't, I can't see any reason why they take everything when you turn up at the door they take all types of different plastic and I imagine the plastic that's in an artificial tree don't know if it can be recycled or not but I certainly would bring it along to the recycling centre rather than putting it into a landfill or maybe check I mean if it if, It's still of use, or are you recycling it? Are you getting rid of it? because it's fallen apart if it's still of use I would say hold out you may be able to give it into a charity shop or any of those act of kindness pages certainly in the run up to Christmas the act of kindness page had families in need of an artificial Christmas tree and I saw a number of people passing them on that way so you could upcycle it and maybe pass it on to somebody who could use it but if you think it's too tattered or it's just it's well past its sell by date then certainly go out to the civic community site uh, with it this certainly will take it uh, from you and the civic community sites by all accounts are very busy, which is certainly good to uh, hear. Hi, uh, Patricia. My gift boxes that I sent for my daughter and grandchildren in Berlin on December 10th. This is Anne in Ballantempo. They still haven't been delivered. Anne has been telling us about those gift packs since we started talking about delivery being late uh, over Christmas. Hang in there. Hang in there, Anne. I wouldn't give up hope uh, yet. Hopefully they will still arrive and it'll be a lovely late Christmas present to your daughter and to your uh, grandchildren. On Alan who spoke to us about coming to the rescue of that young woman in Watergrass Hill. Hi Patricia. I could very well have had a similar experience to that girl on the bus in Watergrass Hill. However, my bus driver out of an act of kindness allowed me to wait on the bus on the bus until my taxi arrived at the bus stop to take me home. It was the last bus out of the city heading to Bandon and we arrived into Bandon at 20 past 11. The bus driver took the time as though he had a duty of care to me, his passenger to make. Sure, I got home safely. There's a fantastic bus driver. Well done, whoever that. I don't know when that happened, but whoever's driving the bus to Bandon late at night. Well done, just and obviously young. This girl nervous, afraid that something was going to happen taxi wasn't there when the bus pulled up and the bus driver said sit there, you're fine, don't worry about it I'll wait with you until your taxi comes, that really is terrific. And when we were talking about that gentleman that we were trying to track down family members a World War 2 hero out of Kinsale and his surname was Penrose I was making the point that Penrose is not a very common name. Thank you to Christy, I should have thought of this, saying remember there was a Labour TD named Willie Penrose in the Dáil up to a few years ago, there was I don't know where Willie Penrose, he wasn't a Cork TD but there, yeah there certainly was there. I should have thought of that because it's, as I say, it's not a very very common name. It's not an odd common but it's not a very common name either. And Mossy says, uh, Hi Trish, the nurses and doctors are doing incredible and outstanding work above and beyond the call of duty. They are saving lives. My question is, where are all the extra beds coming from? Who was crying wolf about beds when there was no coronavirus over the last number of of years? We were told there wasn't enough beds when all of a sudden they were able to find beds and staff as soon as the coronavirus hit. Now I'm delighted, says Mossy, that they've found these beds because you never know, he says, I may need to use one of them in the future I'm very disappointed in falsehoods from some sectors of society regarding the new magic beds thanking you that's from uh, Mossy in West Cork stay safe Mossy and actually just on hospitals Tim in Bantir was on to us this morning he wants us to publicly say a huge thank you to the staff at Mallow General Hospital who were wonderful Tim found himself in a position that he had to spend two weeks at the hospital he said they were exceptional from top to um, Bottom. But while he was on to praise Mallard General Hospital, he just wants to raise a different issue of people meeting in groups. Are they all stupid? He's come to the conclusion that there will never be a cure for stupidity. We might find a vaccine to cures of COVID-19, but we'll never find a vaccine for stupidity. What might bring them to reality is to walk them through an ICU unit of a hospital just to see the reality of what it is like for people who find themselves with COVID 19. And Dennis, uh, um, thank you for that, uh, Ty or Tim, and uh, stay well. Good to know that you're back out of hospital and hopefully fighting fit again. And when Tim talks about stupidity, listen to this for stupidity. Dennis said, How can we get the message out to people who test positive for COVID 19 to stay home? I know of a person who has definitely tested positive for coronavirus out and about and wearing no mask. How do we target the message to those people? Well, I tell you, if I came across somebody that I knew, as I give them a wide berth, Dennis, I'd be running a mile away from them. That is utter utter stupidity whatever about somebody earlier saying that they know of somebody who is living in a household with somebody with COVID-19 they're told to restrict their movements Uh, but under restricting your movements if you don't have anybody say to do your shopping maybe that's the reason that that person was out I don't know but you are allowed to go out, but you're not meant to keep, to, you're told while you're close contact, keep two metres away from everybody's social distance and all of that. But for somebody to know only have COVID-19 and a positive result and to be out and about, there's a lot of words I would use that would be way stronger than stupidity for sure. And then Jess is picking up on that one, the lady who contacted us who was sitting in, in the car watching what was going on while her husband was in shopping and saw somebody who she knows is a close contact or somebody with COVID-19. Jess says, your texture, whose watchful eye allows her to feast on the behaviour of fellow human beings while hubby goes shopping, is only adding to this menacing snitchery Jess calls it, which is spreading through our communities faster than COVID-19 right now. This is the depressing bit of lockdown. Can we at least allow our minds to expand, even if our movements are restricted? Otherwise, we'll be living with the Valley of the Squinting Net Curtains. Thanking you. And that's from Jess contacting us in uh, Cork City. Uh, 1850 333 103. And just one final one, if anyone could give advice here to this listener. This morning Tricia. Happy New Year, many happy returns. I've got a kind of bizarre question for you and your listeners this morning to the radio station. Maybe you or some of your listeners could advise me please and please don't call out my name. I am isolating at the moment. I work for a company and Obviously, they call the shots. My position, they say, is one of an essential worker. Now, I don't work in the healthcare field. What I actually do is I do food surveys in large supermarket chains such as Lidl and Aldi, Tesco, Supervalue, Duns, etc. There is There are people everywhere in these stores shopping while I'm carrying out my survey. I feel I'm in danger of getting this darn virus. No escaping with customers everywhere. Now my question is, can I as a citizen refuse to carry out this job while the COVID numbers are raging because I feel in danger of picking up the virus? But can I refuse to do the job without losing my employment. Any ideas on this one, please? I have elderly parents, a husband and a child to return home to after work, so obviously I am very scared. Mm, I, I know of people who are in positions where they're dealing with members of the public and they are like that in maybe somebody vulnerable at home or maybe vulnerable themselves. And what they have done is they've gone to their employer and they've taken unpaid leave. I don't know if you're in a position to be able to do that. What I would suggest is that you share your concerns with your employer Maybe they can extend holidays or as I say, I don't know if you're in a position to be able to take time off. Could you take time off without pay and then find out from your employer? Would your job be there after COVID-19 is gone or when more people are vaccinated? And, but, but I simply, I don't know where the labour laws on it are. I mean, the company will say, this is your job. Your job is to go out. It's one of those secret shoppers. I'm, I'm assuming is what it is. So they will say that that's your job and that job still exists. So you must go out and do your job. If you're not available for work, would they say hand in your notice? I don't know. Obviously, you don't want to do that. You want to hold on to your job. So let's see, has anybody else been in that position where your job is still deemed essential and you're meant to go to work every day, but you're nervous, you're scared, either for yourself or a family member, and you don't want to do the job that you're employed to do. Legally, where does this woman stand? Can she force her employer? I I can't even say to direct her to some other aspect of the business, because obviously the very nature of the job you're doing you have to go into the stores to do it. So I don't know if they've got another job that you can do instead. Anyway, if anybody has advice for that listener, please share it with us. 1850 333 103 John Paul is taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862
6: 103
3: 103. The C103 Cork Diary.
6: With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
4: The staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company are aiming to collectively run walk cycle hike and swim 1200 kilometers during this the month of January it's an effort to raise money for the Cork Simon Community and you can donate through their just giving page and White Church GAA's annual Christmas draw is going to be held today you've three chances to win Tickets are surprise to 10 euro they're still on sale for the final day and you can check it out on their facebook page that's the white church gaa facebook page
3: cork today on c103
6: with mccrew motors leading the way for toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 toyota see mccrew this
3: is the cork today replay on c103
4: Just on posting, a listener said I posted three cars to the same house on the same day. Two arrived on time and one only arrived uh, yesterday. Yet I can get posts from the Outer Hebrides in Scotland and I can get them within five uh, days. Uh, Hi, Patricia. I changed my car on Wednesday and we did tax online. Couldn't believe my new disc just arrived this morning. Thank you for your programme. Thank you for that, uh, Mary. And Mavis says, I think the post men and women do a marvellous job. They've worked so hard during this pandemic. They have done shopping for us. That's not in their contract of employment. The same with all the delivery companies. We just have to be patient. Times are strange at the moment, says uh, Mavis, how right you are. Now, John Paul uh, joins me in studio. Good afternoon, John Paul press the button good afternoon Sean good afternoon now Patricia. you're taking a look we haven't done this for quite a good few weeks obviously we've been off over Christmas as well you've taken a look at the local electoral areas every Thursday they release the figures for the local electoral areas and they take a look back at the last two weeks as to how much positivity of COVID-19 has been in the different areas. And this period of time that you're looking at is from when to when?
10: This is from December the 22nd to the 4th of January. And we'll start with the...
4: So it's that period right over Christmas yep. and New Year. OK.
10: That area of Christmas, yeah, right up to the, the, the last last Monday, isn't it? Uh, so we'll start in Bantry and this is taking in the Bantry town itself, Germany, Castle Tamber and including the peninsulas of the Mizen and Bera peninsulas here we have confirmed cases of 201 and then to Skibarine, here we're taking in Dumanway, Carbery, Banline and the Clonacilty areas, uh, confirmed cases here of 153 and then to the Bandon Kinsale area uh, which has one of the highest rates across the county uh, here this area takes in Kilbrisson Timoleague parts of Crossbarry Inchidan and Bandon and obviously enough Bandon and Kinsale the confirmed cases here is 350 for that area of Cork and then we'll go to Carrigaline. Uh, here you have Myrthaville, Ballygarvan, Ring of Skiddy 250 cases there. Into the city, in the city southwest wards, Ward, where you're in Ballincolig, Wilton uh, Couragene areas, 233 confirmed cases there in the south central area of Cork City, you're in Toker here the Kinsale Road area and Turner's Cross, they have 255 cases and then the city south east, which is the largest in the city and indeed across the whole city and county. Uh, Here you're in Douglas, Mahan and Rochestown 509 cases in that area of the city and then we'll cross from there uh, over the lee to Mayfield, Tivoli, Montanati and Glenmire to the city northeast, where there is two hundred confirmed cases. And then to the northwest, where we're in Blarney, Knockneheeny, Holly Hill, and Sunday's Well area of the city. There, there is one hundred and seventy-three confirmed cases. That's how it looks in the city. And back then again to the county areas to Macroom, uh, where in, in the Macroom area you're taken in Mill Street, Town, and Macroom plus areas like Ballangiri, Kilmurray, Inchigila, Crookstown, there' uh, There's 104 confirmed cases in the Macroom area. And then to Kanturk, where the towns of Charnival and Newmarket are included, also uh, the likes of Barry Desmond Kishkem, Cullen and Kilcorny, and Milford and Tully Lee's also included here in those other areas such as Dramayna 85 uh, cases there in the Kanturk area Tamalo where you are looking at Dramahan Granad Liscarl, and areas like Pot House and Glantan as well 126 confirmed cases in that area and in Fermoy which does take in Mitchellstown Killworth Donnerail Moor, Glanworth and the Rathcormack area you have 200 confirmed cases there. Uh, To Cove where it's stretching from Carrick Navarre, Watergrass Hill, Knockraha, Carrick 2 and of course Cove itself 203 confirmed cases in Cove and then to the rest of East Cork in the Middleton local electoral area where you're in Yell, Cline, Dungourney uh, Shanigarry, Ballycotton and those areas 109 confirmed cases so that's okay. how it's looking there the okay. biggest areas are Bandon Kinsale in the county yeah. Douglas uh, in the city Bandon
4: and Kinsale I mean it's the second highest across Cork city and and county at 350 yep. with uh, only Douglas that Douglas Mahon Rochestown area the mm-hmm. Cork city southeast on 509 and uh, 9 but 350 that that is worrying and also uh, the figures out of Bantry and Skibbereen tying in with Dr Paula Sullivan who joined us on Monday, was it, on the programme? It was. Talking Monday. about villages that had, had zero COVID cases throughout the pandemic suddenly over that period of Christmas uh, sp- seeing a spike in uh, cases. And Kenturk coming out at the lowest at 85?
10: Yeah, Canturk area at the lowest in,
4: okay. in Cork. Now, we also have to remember that they, these are the numbers up to the 4th of January and we do know that across this week, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, we had very high Figures, some of the highest figures for Cork. So when you join us this time next week, those numbers are going to be be higher in some areas. They are definitely going to be higher. higher. Okay, listen. Thank you for that, and thank you for once again number crunching. That's our own uh, John Paul. And just quickly back to some of your texts to the listener who is worried about the job that she does, where has her out in supermarkets seems to be some kind of a secret shopper. She's doing its food uh, service, and she's worried about being in that environment and, you know, I I really hope she does speak to her employer but she's just worried that she would lose her job. Somebody said, could she get a cert for anxiety? Could she go to her doctor and explain how nervous she is about going to work? Yeah, I suppose that would be a uh, possibility. And someone else says, it would surely be unfair would and just written in front of me, it surely would be unfair uh, to dis- to have somebody dismissed if an employer wants to send a person into a gravely unsafe workplace against their will. Our employer is not meant to provide a safe working environment. I doubt that they could fire her. And where are the Health and Safety Authority in all of this? Are they that it might be worth getting onto the Health and Safety Authority to see if they could offer some advice to her? And still getting in texts and calls about letters that were posted. Somebody said I posted a letter yesterday. It was received this morning. Happy New Year and many happy returns. Uh, who else was on about posting? Mary in Bishopstown. I got a card the other day with just my name and Bishopstown Cork on it. Now it says Mary, Bishopstown is a big spot. The postman knew exactly who it was. <laughs> she said, wasn't that amazing? I love when, post, when postmen do that. I just think it's, I saw one in the paper of somebody whose name was put on a letter. Can't remember now what area it was, but <laughs> the, what was put on the post, on the, written on the letter was uh, the woman who's got a rake of cats. And then the town where the woman lived and the postman found her. <laughs> and delivers the letter it's terrific and Annie and Skibreen says I posted a letter on the 14th of December to Middleton it only arrived today, today so there certainly has been delayed delays and Margaret in Drumahan says she's decided she's leaving her Christmas tree up until the end of January having heard what, about what's happening in Crosshaven with the lights being left on and indeed elsewhere in the country yeah we were talking about it with Councillor Audrey Buckley on the programme this week and they've decided to leave up the public lights uh, in Crosshaven. then I saw it on the news last night there's a lot of towns and villages around the country have decided to do it just to brighten up January and there's a, there's a number of people who've decided to do it in their houses as well leaving their Christmas tree up or leaving their outside lights uh, up. So well done Margaret it'll cheer you up throughout the month of January. 1850 333 103 we're going to take a break and we're back with our movie reviewer Mark Malone.
6: Court
3: today on C103
6: with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCrew Motors
3: Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103.
4: Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi Patricia uh, You're very welcome Okay you have taken a look at two movies for us The uh, one is called Body Games And the other one is Soul And we are starting with a quick trailer from Soul
6: I'm Joe Gardner I teach middle school band I finally land the gig of my life And then oh, Is this heaven? <laughs> no Is it H-E double hockey
0: sticks? Help Help Hi you Hi Coyote <laughs>
3: Can you help me get back to my body? Why? Earth sounds dumb. You're missing out on the joys of life. Nah. Come on. Wait, not me!
4: This is a Pixar, Disney, so we're talking animation here.
8: Yeah, we are, yeah. And uh, it being Disney, Pixar, of course, you have uh, high expectations. And um, in, in a sense that... It has been very well received, but in my particular point of view, I was kind of disappointed with it in a way because maybe it didn't kind of follow the path that I really, really wanted it to. You know, I think for me, there are times when Disney-Pixar get just a little bit too complicated for their own good. Do you remember the film Inside Out? I do. And, you know, which was very good. It was an excellent movie. It really was. It was basically about uh, the the multiple personalities that we have in our brains. But I remember when I went to see it in the cinema, um, I just remember the kids chatting and talking throughout the whole film.
4: I have to say I found Inside Out a bit complicated.
8: Yeah, well, this is the problem with Disney-Pixar for me. You know, You know, kids love it when, the, when it's all kind of action sequences, but when, when the talking comes on, you know the kids then, the, the level of chatter in the cinema amongst the kids kind of rises as they kind of don't really quite understand what's going on. And it was very, very complicated, even though it was very, very well received. And I think we have another situation here as well, whereas if they had kept it simple, I think it would have been much, much better. It's the story of Joe here, and um, it's played by Jamie Foxx, and he's a, he's, a, he's a music teacher. Loves being a music teacher, likes the fact that uh, you know this is what he does for a living, but his real passion is music and he wants to play in a band and he hears about the, uh, an audition for a local jazz band a quartet and he goes and uh, he um, auditions for it and he gets the job and he's on a high and he is so happy because it's all it's, it's what he's dreamed of all his life
4: so that's where the soul is coming from the music
8: not necessarily no it's okay. about the souls actually within us trust me it gets really really complicated <laughs> so basically what happens he's walking along the road he fa- falls down a manhole and basically ends up He's die- he's, he, he dies. Oh, okay. Yes, but he finds himself on the, the great beyond, uh, where is this kind of uh, world where he's heading towards heaven. And he's on this, like, conveyor belt, and he decides, no, no, my life is only starting. This has been the best day of my life. I can't die. I can't do this. So he jumps off the uh, conveyor belt and ends up in the great before which is kind of like purgatory, but it's never kind of mentioned as that, which is this very, very odd and very, very strange world, which is full of these kind of infant souls, which are like these little bubbles kind of voiced. Um, one of these is voiced by uh, Tina Fey. And she's actually been um, a soul uh, for millennia because she, they can't find a spark. She can't find the spark within her so that she then gets this badge which allows her to go to Earth and take over the body of a human being uh, on Earth. And so, um, she's got to be constantly uh, uh, she has these counsellors constantly trying to help her along so you get kind of very very famous people like Mother Teresa Uh, but the problem is that she's not the Mother Teresa Mother Teresa you've got um, Albert Einstein counsels her as well but to no avail because um, she's very very cynical and she doesn't believe that life on earth is going to be any better than where she is there's a lovely moment actually where Mother Teresa tells her look I love everything I love the world I love life I love animals I love people I don't love you <laughs> which I thought was probably you know the, the, the moment in the film that I thought was really really funny now if that all sounds very very complicated trust me it gets even more complicated as when they're in the great before they still find other lands full of souls that um, haven't found their spark so therefore they turn into these very very strange kind of one eyed monsters we find uh, Graham Norton uh, who s- sails this ship around the great before and he's got a link between the great before and earth to try and help Joe get back to earth and uh, and and re-enter his body again. And I think for me the opening 20 minutes when we when we meet the the character of Joe and the extraordinary level of the animation I mean I saw uh, Toy Story recently and I mean that Uh, still looks great but you can see where they've advanced Yeah, and there's some beautiful musical moments especially when he plays the piano because of course he has to play the right notes and it's beautifully animated and that's a story that I would have loved to have seen the story of him uh, a man who is a teacher but wants to be a star wants
4: to That's what I thought you were going to say and I thought that's what the soul connection was it was the soul music
8: Exactly Yeah, well yeah and so I'd like to have seen that simple simple story but again they just decided no we're going to try and make it as complicated it as possible and I'm not so sure that kids will like this and of course the other thing is that they're going to be asking an awful lot of questions too about uh, you know this this world and where it is and what it's all about and so yeah. I think we'll confuse, but uh, a lot of kids but but as far as uh, the, the critics really liked it um, but I was kind of disappointed I just didn't get it um, emotionally as well I love the music I thought that was great give me Joe's story don't give me the story about this great movie. Yeah and
4: this was another one of the movies because of the pandemic it didn't it didn't go into cinemas this is the one they really started Christmas Day, wasn't it?
8: Yeah, and the thing is, yeah. is that, like, like they charged for Mulan, but I think Disney Pixar decided not to charge for this, and they just put it on the platform. I'm not so sure, so sure that they really thought it was going to be a big hit themselves. Yeah, um, um, at least that's what I think. Um, but uh, look, it's, it's it's beautiful to look at, as you'd expect. There are moments of of incredible uh, standards of animation, but in the main, I think it, for me, it was just way too complicated, too complicated for its own good. And the age group it's pitched at. Well, it, well, Disney, Pixar, Pixar, uh, they, 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 they try and kind of look after everybody. Yeah, and OK. You know what I mean? And it's aimed at everybody, but I don't think young it kids will it. won't hold the attention
4: it, of no. young children. OK, mark it out of 10?
8: Uh, five.
4: Five out of 10. All right, that's uh, Soul and that's uh, streaming on Disney at the moment. Now, your second uh, movie is Body Games. This is a comedy
8: in inverted commas. Um, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I think I smiled once. I mean, this is the worst film I've ever seen, by the Great. way. <laughs> <laughs> preface, You're not having
4: a good run a, this week, are you? No, it's been <laughs> a shame. Yeah,
8: that's just, Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely terrible. I saw a trailer for this some time ago, and I did think, are they still making stuff like this? You know, uh, I mean, it's just extraordinary. Um, it's written, produced, and directed by a guy by the name of Josh Duhamel, who you might have seen in a television series called Vegas some years ago. Uh, he was married to Fergie, the singer. Not the oh, one. yeah, uh, yeah. So, it's, yeah, obviously, he saw the big change or City Slickers and The Hangover and decided let's mash them all together and let's kind of do our own version of these men behaving badly basically these middle aged overweight men behaving like children should know better exactly and you know when I was watching The Hangover I didn't particularly like The Hangover either for that reason I find it very difficult to watch middle aged men behave like children and I have great problems with that and uh, basically what the buddy games are all through their lives these five men they get together and they involve themselves in these ridiculous games which mainly involve drinking and eating and vomiting, and it's just absolutely just 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 so disgusting to watch what these people are doing on screen. Josh decide that now they're in their 40s, they need to get back together again. They need to kind of uh, reinforce their friendship, although at no stage do you believe that any of these men are friends and friendly towards each other because there's no warmth between any of them. All they seem to do is just terrorise each other. And uh, they go through all these games again, which involve... You know, drinking and and swearing and for a very good example, one of um one of the trials includes them all eating copious amounts of laxatives, <sighs> then going out for a night, chatting up women in the bar oh, and the last person whose bottom yeah. you know explodes is the winner of that particular trial and that's the level of the humor here. Also the way in which women are portrayed in this film is disgusting because when they chat up all these women at the bar they're all women half their age very beautiful women who would have nothing to do with men like this but of course this is written by you know middle-aged men and uh, and you don't believe it you don't believe any of it there's a really weird scene where one of the men as just prior to the buddy games he does uh, he stands in front of n- naked in front of the the mirror it's a full frontal and um, his wife comes up behind him and smacks him in the butt and says, ''You look great, dude.'' It's not his wife, it's his mother. And you just and it's, it's almost like it's trying to just kind of you know extend the boundaries of tastelessness constantly and it's just it's horrible I've just hated every single minute of it I'm afraid
4: okay. It's called uh, The Body Games Market at a 10
8: I'm not even going to give it It's anything. a zero oh. I think
4: Okay that's our first we, we, I don't think we did a zero right across all of last year but we certainly have uh, not. we're only a week into January we've had a zero on one of the movies Okay listen have a great week okay. and uh, thanks uh, for joining us that is uh, Mark Malone our movie reviewer 18 one fifty three 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 one oh three when we're talking about how good the postmen and women are listen to this one Phil says I think postmen in Mallow are wonderful. I got a card from Boston once that simply said Phil Mallow beat that. Somebody said they also watched that movie Soul uh, um, over uh, over Christmas and uh, agrees with Mark, it was far too complicated. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul. We've had a really busy week. We'll be back with you doing it all over again on Monday. Stay
3: safe. Court today on C103
6: with McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota.
1: See